you're listening to Plan B Podcast. The opinions expressed and shared on this podcast are of our own. Welcome to Plan B.SG. We are five months into this pandemic. More than 150,000 people have died. Genuinely, this is what the science is showing. And granted, initially early on, there was a bit of confusion as to what you needed and what you didn't need. Welcome back to Plan B.SG, still with our friends from IMH. Mm. Uh, doctors, I just want to ask, like, where are we right now in terms of the suicide rates here in Singapore? Is it still rising? Are we kind of like plateauing? Um, where are we right now? Um... Janet can disagree with me. <laughs> okay. uh, we've had this conversation a couple of times before. Mm. Um, I really don't think that the rates are rising. I mean, mm. if you look at it, if mm. uh, and I'm basing it purely on the SOS figures because I don't get any other figures as well, being mm. honest here. Um, I think some years they go up a little bit and then they come down and then they go up and they come down. Mm. The problem is that a lot of time we report, we just see numbers, right? Mm-hmm. What we don't see is the denominator which okay. is what is the population of singapore yeah. which um, also has increased over the years and sometimes we don't see that la so mm-hmm. if you see it per 100000 kind of a thing yes i'm not at all denying that it goes up sometimes and it comes down sometimes mm-hmm. but i haven't seen huge swings like huge upticks i haven't seen that at all um and i know that for the person who has lost someone due to suicide it's uh, you know it's it's the most tragic most awful thing to happen Mm-hmm. but it is still a relatively rare event even in singapore mm-hmm. definitely in singapore and you will be surprised uh, you know which kind of took me by surprise that the um, and i'm not trying to say this is fantastic please don't mm-hmm. get me wrong i'm just trying to put it into perspective that you would be surprised that even in some of the scandinavian countries which we really look up to mm-hmm. in terms of their happiness index or in terms of even their healthcare yep. uh, kind of a thing Uh, suicide uh, numbers figures are higher than Singapore. Wow. Really? Yes. On yes. a per capita basis or, or uh, like overall? Per 100,000 basis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's would, yeah. surprising. Yeah, it is. It was to me as well. Um, so, you know, um, uh, not trying to play it down in any way, but just trying to say that uh, it is not that we haven't, I haven't seen any huge uh, swings. Uh, e- even during the COVID direction. period? Yeah. Um, COVID it went up. I won't deny that. But right, then right, again, right. the next year it came down. Uh, oh. So it just goes. Yeah, it it does happen, uh, and it does come it's down. It's cyclical. Right? Yeah, yeah. In a, in some ways, mm. um, some years are better where we manage to. So so it's not like we're facing some kind of uh, suicide catastrophe, for example. I where, don't mm. see that at Huge. all. But yeah, so so I don't disagree with you. I do <laughs> I do think that the suicide rate is coming down. Wow. Okay. Um, But if you look at the total number of suicides that Singapore had over the last 10-15 years, it, it's always around 400. Yes. Okay. That's why there's always, some people will even say that, oh, in Singapore, there's almost one suicide a day. Because ah. in, in every year, there's about oh. 400. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last year was 378. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the year before was about 421. Okay. okay. Uh, that was 2020's number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like Maitili said, we don't have the denominator. But mm. I think Singapore population seems to be going up. Yeah. So that's why the suicide rate is coming down. What oh. is interesting is you they actually break down and last year's figure was alarming because there were 37 youth suicide. Mm. Um, ah, 18 and below. 
And that is the highest that we have had for a long time. Oh. In in the youth category. Mean. Youth. Wow. Okay. That's why when you talk about that primary four killing herself, yeah. Yeah. this is not new. I mean, mm. every year you, you read some very sad and unfortunate news about young people. Primary four, primary five taking their life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Usually the stress is school related, mm-hmm. exams related, parents related. Mm-hmm. And and last year was the highest, 37. 37 children took their life mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. year. Wow, that's painful. Man. So so this is yeah. actually related to what I wanted to ask because um, <laughs> we were talking about youth and, and you know, I, I raised this a bit off cast la, about doom scrolling. I'm not sure if you are familiar with that term. Uh, like so, so it, it refers. What does it mean? Yeah. You keep yeah. reading bad news, right? Yeah, Killing. correct. Like you just, oh, yeah. I mean, which is very easy to do, like Just go on Twitter or yeah. Just yeah. open <laughs> any <laughs> news uh, app, right? Yeah. Every basically every single article that comes in day in day out is bad news. World hunger in in Africa at its worst. Uh, mm. One third of Pakistan is flooded. Uh, climate climate. We have passed all you know climate change um, um, milestones and deadlines. Like we mm. we're headed to a to a Terrible world, Russia happens, and then you know. So, so that's what doom scrolling is like. You just keep reading; it almost becomes addictive, like because you're just constantly imbibing bad news. Mm. And so, some people say this like, like it leads to more depression. Mm-hmm. It leads to more people feeling despondent about the world. Um, and I mean, it's it's a lot more. I would think like more prevalent with younger people because older people just, I mean, you don't do that, right? Like you're busier with, with life or whatever. Not necessarily, yeah. But yeah, so yeah. so and I mean older people don't are not on Twitter, for example. Like mm-hmm. they get the news through news, which is spaced out. Yeah, but then like, you could also be like seeing general news and if everything is negative, you're still gonna be down about it. Yeah, right? but it's spaced out. So doom scrolling refers to specifically like because everything is so packed together constantly mm-hmm. like on your timeline, it just keeps coming in. So I don't know, like has that actually led to like young people feeling this way more? Um so no, we haven't heard that specifically. Mm. But again, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just caution you on one thing. You don't know whether it's an anxious person who's doing doom scrolling. Right. Uh, you don't know whether doom scrolling is leading to anxiety. Ah. Uh, it's, it's a bit of like, right, chicken and egg. You, that's, that's something which I always struggle with. It's it's never, uh, we look at things very cross-sectionally. We don't, we don't have a very good longitudinal answer, like causal answer. This right, causes right. this, this doesn't cause this. True researcher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, and, um, um, you know, one of my uh, colleagues, uh, she she works with youth mental health. And in fact, the article should be coming out fairly soon. And what she really explored was, is social media, you know, how, how do mm. yeah, youth use social media? Is it in a positive way or a negative way? So youth did acknowledge, not not in the con- uh, context of suicide, but generally in the context of mental well-being. They did mm. say that. Uh, sometimes in social media, not just doom scrolling, but you know, cyberbullying, comments, oh. all that mm. can uh, kind of upset them and really make them very sad and uh, sometimes uh, feel very lonely. Mm. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, youth today are also very, uh, you know, conscious that. Um, no, I'm not saying again all of them. There are vulnerable youth, but majority of them know this is social media, and I can restrict the time. Um, and I think for some of us, of course, I'm very, very old now, but like when you are on Twitter, you don't mm. necessarily have to follow the worst handles, right? You can mm. follow some amazingly positive. good handles and yeah. positive mm. handles. Yeah. So the youth also actually do that. So they say, you know, you, you don't have to just follow somebody who's always 
tweeting about very awful things or you know even tiktok they say right, oh right. you know we watch stuff which can be very uplifting which wholesome can be very video, funny right? yeah, yeah, yeah humorous yeah. it need not be wholesome la but at least it makes them feel happy <laughs> and uh, you know laugh so yeah, 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 yeah rather than just very sad things but doctor i, I mean i just want to ask right in your experience mm-hmm. uh, previously as a child psychiatrist why or how does a child um, come to the conclusion that they can take their own life because uh i mean they are you, they are at a stage where they are still learning right they are mm. still learning things they are they are they are mm. accepting social norms they are accepting uh, uh what is what is common or what is not common what is a uh, outcome to a solution for example so how is it that young children maybe primary 2 primary 3 primary 4 how how does it dawn upon them that suicide is an option to begin with I think it has to do with a sense of hopelessness. You know, we don't see very young children touch we don't see very young children mm-hmm. take their life the primary one primary two. Mm-hmm. But you realize that when they hit primary 4 primary 5 it's around that developmental age where they have mm. the concept of what hope is mm-hmm. and what hopelessness is. Mm-hmm. And when they are so young they may not have adequate coping skills. Mm-hmm. Therefore when they encounter a life event whether failing an exam okay break up even at a young age they realize that they can't cope and dying becomes the way out for them oh. just a few months ago i saw a patient primary school same age as my kid my kid is in primary 5 mm-hmm. the parents found suicide note in the pencil case Ayoh. it's distressing and troubling of course as a as a parent of a primary 5 kid i identified mm-hmm. with the case mm-hmm. i imagine the distress i would feel if i find a suicide yeah. note in my kid's uh, pencil case yeah. and yeah. the kid was talking about um parental quarrel doing badly ah. in school mm-hmm. and then i think a few a few days after that i saw a 12 year old girl who had a breakup and she suicidal because she said she lost the love of her life oh you because mm-hmm. i was thinking 12 year old love of your life ah. but to her it was real yes, mm-hmm. yes to her yes. that breakup was really the worst thing that happened to her in the 12 years of life mm-hmm. oh, gosh. and she felt that ending her life is A better option. Mm. The problem is that the coping skills sometimes where do they learn it from? They learn it from friends who may not give them a big repertoire. Mm. They go on social media and if they go to some unsavory website, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And parents may not be around. Mm. Responsible adults may not be around to give them the advice that they actually need. In mm. fact, parents could be critical and may oh. invalidate them and trivialize them. Oh, you're just kids, right? Them. Like you're just Yeah, that's right. Thinking like this is the whole but but this actually leads us to to Um, what what Dr. Michael is doing, right? Because yeah. next of kin, so I mean, I'm I'm I don't know if you have spoken to some of such parents, uh, of of you know, children who have done this to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I I mean, if you're able to share lah, what goes through the parents' minds? You know, like how do they cope with that? Yeah, how do they cope with such things? Hmm. Actually, it's uh you know while my study largely focuses on. Uh, the reasons why uh, the person died by suicide, mm. uh, and the reason why we do this particular study is also because um, in Singapore you have a very good system. The coroner's code does take uh, pretty good notes and everything, um, but also we realize that a lot of times the family is not willing at that point of time to share a lot of things. Again, for all the reasons that mm. we talked about, right? Yep. And they are in no shape. Uh, you said it. They're so traumatized. This is not the time they want to talk about, you know. Oh, this could be the factor, or you know, maybe this happened, and so they're not at a position. 
Um, so sometimes it's very factual things that they can find out, but some of the emotional stuff may be missing from those records. And mm. so we decided to actually talk to them. So mm. it's really to find out about the person who has died by suicide. Um, but we one part of it is also to understand how did they cope and also to understand did they have support? Mm. Did they get support in, from anybody or in any manner? Mm. Um, so what we realize is um, uh, some of the parents have told me that, you know, it's never going to go away. That grief, that pain is just going to be a part of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they learn to continue on for various different reasons. Some of them uh, use that to do something good for others. Mm. They may run a foundation to support other troubled or distressed youth uh, mm. who can, you know, benefit from it. So I've seen that. Um, some of them uh, become advocates and then they mm. speak, uh, you know, for uh, like anti-suicide yes, to yes. kind of encourage. And a lot of the mothers who come to me, come to me really because if they can prevent anyone else's child mm. from doing it, right, that would be the biggest thing that they, that's what I was trying yes, to tell you yes. that, okay, that's what I can give back by maybe preventing one case. Um, so uh, they, they find a purpose. Yes. Um, some of them are still angry that they come and talk angry. to me. Yeah, mm. it could be like a thing that happened, right? Uh, you know, something that happened and this happened. And then they are still angry that why did this have to happen to my son or my daughter? You know, like uh, a, a bit of anger towards whatever. Mm. Um, it's still there. And, and I can understand that as well, you know, because uh, they, they are living with that pain. Of course. So we have yeah. to do that. Um, some A lot of them increasingly, and that's something really good, uh, not just parents, but even children, siblings, they are um, seeking psychological help mm. mm-hmm. after mm. that. Um, so, for example, uh, SOS uh, does provide services uh, for bereaved uh, families, mm. especially when there's a sudden death. So, uh, for they, the next of kin, right? For the next mm. of kin, yeah. So, what we call suicide survivors. Okay. Um, yeah, so they provide counseling, they have support groups and they do that. And they find that useful to kind okay. of process through it. Uh, but many of them, they say that even beyond that, they may be seeing a counsellor, um, they may be seeing a psychologist. Uh, and, and in fact, even in IMH, we do have some services like that for mm-hmm. people who have lost a uh, loved one to suicide. Right. Uh, yeah. So so they are aware, they are more open again, mm-hmm. and they are willing to reach out to these services, which helps them to deal with it. But what if, right, like, in a, in a way, because you're saying that you're, you're talking about why the person themselves did, I mean, committed suicide, right? Mm-hmm. But what if that next of kin was the reason? Oh, you. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it does happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's the, yeah. the most tragic of tragedies. It's a real possibility. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes that is why. I mean, like you said, because my parents keep fighting, mm. for example, mm-hmm. and then you, as the parent reading that, having oh, yeah. lost oh, a child, God. and this is the the apparent reason. I mm. mean, how? Um, we haven't had honestly haven't had such things. Okay. Uh, but we have had uh, cases where. Uh, let us say that it is a marital strife that has led to a person taking his life, right? In mm. a way, even that in some way, the other partner does feel responsible for it, now mm. that I might be responsible for it. And uh, those are very difficult because they feel extremely guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is why, you know, one of the things that I feel is, uh, although there is enough data in uh, uh, in in the systematic review, like I spoke to you about, yep. but I think sometimes we think that, oh, uh, you know, uh, uh, suicide happens because this person is 
mentally very distressed or mm-hmm. you know he has to have this or he has to have that that's why you know he's going to do it mm-hmm. but i feel that when a relationship becomes very very toxic a lot of time we don't see the need to see a psychologist or a marital therapist uh, because mm-hmm. even if you're going to get divorced right i feel that the ugliness sometimes that unfortunately develops uh, by even by one partner or by both partners these things can be avoided mm-hmm. uh, if you know you you knew how to handle it to speak to each other to kind of work over it uh, so that's one thing which came out very importantly from our study because also oh, this this did come out yeah, quite strongly yeah like marital stress comes out la i mm-hmm. mean not very strongly but it's one thing mm-hmm. um so i mean there are many little things but what i feel is because i was talking specifically about when one partner feels ah, that yes. this thing so i i do feel that uh, you know a lot of us want to make amends afterwards but i think we should you know we should not let that situation go there la. Mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not easy for them to talk to each other maybe they really need a third person to guide them um so you know these are not things that it's easy for asian families to consider mm. Mm. yeah true 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 yeah. Yeah. so raman might might have something <laughs> to add about it because you see so many divorces yeah i have a counselor's number on standby <laughs> yeah so every time i see you know this one i can handle i just take the name card i say you know you should call this person yeah but do <laughs> they or not that's the question right they do they do ah. the counselor just, they will tell me will update me okay this person has contacted me i'll follow up i mean okay so like my parents divorced also and i'm mm-hmm. like not on good terms so i've seen how painful like, it can be yeah. yeah not just painful sometimes like i mean they're not receptive mm. it's like i don't even want to see your face mm-hmm. like i don't want to be in the same vicinity as you no but counseling doesn't have to be Uh, together mm. oh it can, it can be, be individual yeah mm. then like you see first for example then the counselor maybe try to reach out to the other party to see if they can do a combined joint session mm. if the other party is not open to it the counselor can still be there for you for your personal healing right mm. you need to oh. you need to have that session where your mind gets to go across that rut that you're in and and that's uh that's actually the other question I want to ask right mm. just now you mentioned hopelessness which kind of stuck in my head and you mentioned happiness index <laughs> which i would like to i would love to know a lot yeah. more about because um and on, honestly like what Darren said uh because of the nature of my work uh mm. even for me personally right on a mm-hmm. daily basis is my job to shoulder the pain mm. and the suffering of many people so mm-hmm. sometimes it gets to my head as well right so how do you keep yourself mentally resilient how do you make sure you i think that we we i think we <coughs> did an episode about singaporeans being the unhappiest workers yeah. in the world yeah yeah right yeah. you believe so, that yeah so <laughs> tell us <laughs> no i'm actually looking it up i'm looking yeah, up yeah, like yeah. what is the singapore happiness index and uh-huh. uh, based on 2021 the world happiness report never we 57 or something i can't remember mm. yeah i mean we're not top now <laughs> we, we we are 6.48 out of 10 oh okay what does that mean what does that mean yeah I mean, do you know do you know what that means um I think there's a cantrell ladder right in which mm. they kind of from 0 to 10 they kind of pinpoint how happy they yeah, are. Yeah, we are 27th yeah. position. Yeah. From this is based on 2022. So which was the position? 27. Ah, not bad. I was somewhere in 40 so you are, we are doing <laughs> <laughs> 27 out of how many country? Uh I uh no, I, I don't I don't think they listed how many Just if you're 27 many? out of 27, it's useless, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not <laughs> out of 27. Nah, it's the World Happiness Report. I'm pretty sure it'll be relatively comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do note that I think... Oh, they say that the previous year, we were 32nd. So we actually went up. Ooh. Oh, okay. yeah. Finland, uh, I think, was happiest. Yeah. 
number Finland, one. Yeah, number one. Wow. I mean, like the Scandinavian countries, like you said, right? But I do know that Greenland, which is like part of Denmark, mm-hmm. has like an exceptionally high suicide rate. Yeah. Oh. But in particular, that region. Because the cold weather, is it? Um, I think there's, I mean, there's probably, that might be one aspect, but there's also, I mean, government policies and... and I think no one knows why though. Yeah. Uh, oh, no one knows it? why Greenland's suicide yeah. rate is so high. Yeah. Oh, oh really? So yeah. this is like a known yeah. study yes. uh, among psychiatrists yeah. as well. Yeah. Wow. So it's like an, a normality, right? Yeah. In, in a way. Almost, yeah. Mm. Interesting. I know because I was watching a show, like I was watching an Netflix show about Denmark and then mm. and then this this stat came up. Mm. And because they kept referencing it, like like a very high suicide rate in Greenland. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, I, I looked it up because I was like, why do they keep repeating this this fact? Mm-hmm. And I realized that it's true actually in, in the real world. Mm. So, mm. so actually on that note, to avoid us getting to fin- Finland, uh, Greenland's Greenland, yeah. statistics, right? Uh, how, I mean, what advice can you give us yeah. and our listeners on how do we keep our mental resilience up? and strong yep. how do we keep happy and uh, you know it's interesting you mentioned uh, at the very beginning that uh, suicide is not necessarily related to uh, a mental condition there are other two other if I remember correctly two other uh, yep. generic uh, themes. one related themes, to, the, right? to the recession that might be coming yeah mm-hmm. so how uh, what advice can you give our listeners on how do we keep ourselves in a good state of mind to make sure that we don't enter that hopelessness yeah yeah so I think self-care is very important. Mm-hmm. I mean, when times are good, we need to practice self-care. It's, it's, we can't do it when we are in distress. It's, it's just impossible. So when times mm-hmm. are good, self-care, spending time with a loved one, uh, all these very mushy things like compassion, kindness to yourself, mm-hmm. uh, taking time for yourself, do something you enjoy, whether it's it food, exercise, material mm-hmm. stuff, something that makes you happy. I think mm-hmm. that's important. Watch out for one another. Mm-hmm. I think that is crucial. Uh, when you talk about resilience, resilience is not the absence of stress. Mm-hmm. So it's not trying to shield your child from any stressful situation. Oh. Mm. It is to allow your child to go through some stress and then supporting your child through it. I think that is important in building resilience. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes parents may want to protect their children from any problems. Mm. And then the first time they encounter difficulty, they can't cope. And that's mm. when that hopelessness may come in. Uh. Okay. And, and speaking from experience, uh, mm-hmm. identify a support system. Yes. Like identify who you can go to. Because I mean, of course, as much as, you know, during good times, you build up your resilience, you you make sure that, you know, you're in a good space, generally yeah. speaking. But if it comes, you need to know that there is this person that you can trust, that you feel comfortable with to go to. Mm. Because I, I can, I dare say it, like I, I was saved, my life was saved by my friend who identified this and raised it. If not, right, I, I wouldn't be here. Mm. And well, before we wrap up, yeah. I guess, uh, what advice can you give to potential caregivers on spotting, oh, true, on spotting yeah. that? Like, like exactly on what Darren said, how do mm-hmm. you... I mean, tough times are coming. Mm-hmm. What do we do when we see like... Or when someone, we hear. Yeah, or we hear of someone who's, who's maybe like, you know, halfway there or what can we do? What can we say? I think keep, keep a watch for one another. I think mm-hmm. that's important. There are warning signs. If you... Recently, I just did a talk about suicide. If you Google warning signs of suicide, Mm-hmm. you have 32 million hits. Oh my God. So there's a lot of stuff you can read up about warning mm-hmm. signs. But I think getting to know this person, spending time with the person is crucial. Like you you mentioned, you met this friend who suddenly appeared very cheerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, that change in mental state is a big warning sign. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, a lot of times, their spirit are lifted because they made that decision. 
and they're at peace with that decision. Mm. But if you don't know or don't spend time with the person, you have no idea that there was this change. Mm. So, so I think it's important to really spend some time with your loved ones and so that you can be sensitive to some of these changes and the warning signs. Wow, mm. that, that, that hit me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just wanted to kind of say one thing because I know that sometimes really, really there are no warning signs. Yeah. Are you okay? Uh, and I think yeah. it's important to acknowledge it because sometimes parents and caregivers feel very guilty that they missed it. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I was talking about this to somebody else. Uh, we have done about until today 30 interviews I'm not the one who I'm not the only one who does it we actually need to debrief uh, you feel overwhelmed after them well, mm. after doing the interviews mm. you do get upset um, mm. however much you try um, but the ones the one that stayed with me and it stays with me even today it's the one where uh, you know the brother had absolutely no idea why mm. his brother did it and I think that was his biggest regret that you know he didn't even like it was so they, they were in very close proximity with each other mm. um, but he couldn't make out at all and he asked me like you know can you like would you be able to make out why uh, we couldn't not from mm. anything mm. he said so I sometimes do feel that some young people hide hide it very well or as the Jared just said, you know, it is such a sudden life event that uh, things just go wrong for them so badly that they, unfortunately, they don't reach out to the person who could mm. provide help to them and they do something. So I think it's also important to acknowledge that yeah. there would be rare cases where there would be nothing mm. uh, that the person can make out. Yeah. Doctors, thank you for your time yes. to be with us here on yep. PMB.SG. Yep. Uh, this has been very insightful and yes. informative. If you're listening right now, uh, you can also check out your website uh, at IMH, of course, yep. uh, and also Google for like whatever doctor has already yes. mentioned. Um, w warning signs. Mm. Yes. If you were to actually encounter individuals who have shared with you and are open enough to be... Uh, to share their yes. problems with you as but well. But of course, I hope that you never actually have to see Dr. Jared <laughs> yeah. in the emergency department. Mm. Definitely. And uh, we'll be taking a short break right after this to get our sponsors. Don't go away. We interrupt this program to bring you... Welcome back to PlanB.SG, proudly brought to you by your friends from the Bravo Realtors. Yes, and if you want to do your property health check, do so at this number. That's 8100-2300. I repeat, that's 8100-2300. Alternatively, you can also find them on their IG. That's at the Bravo Realtors. Ah, yes. So, today we have our friends from Bravo Realtors. Welcome back. Mm -hmm. um, and we are going to talk with one of their not-so-often-featured uh, members. Yes. Yeah. Sharil. A very veteran-looking Hello, agent. hello. Yeah. Not yeah. veteran. Uh. Uh. Not veteran. I, I and Zara, same age. Oh. Uh. Hello. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Sharil looks like uh, he knows the inner, ins and outs of the industry. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's true, actually. How long have yeah. you been in this line? Okay, I passed in uh, 2013. 
Okay lah. That time, uh, actually, when I buy house, uh, mm. I don't use agent. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you DIY yourself, okay, DIY. DIY. I've been hearing every, all the laughters okay. already. They're all like, huh, bad choice, bad choice. <laughs> Even the HGB submission, all you do yourself? No. Uh-huh. First, I thought want to do DIY. Okay. Oh. Then after that, when I go to the house, then the seller, seller agent recommended recommended me an uh, agent lah uh-huh. to do the transaction. Now okay. it's not that's not allowed, right? Say again. Now they, you can't do that, right? No, another agent lah, different oh, agent. separate agent. Ah, okay. separate agent. Oh, okay, so okay. actually from there, I see like, eh, very easy yeah, this abang do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can do what he, he you so, think you can do it better lah. Yes. <laughs> wow. So I thought of that lah. Thought, uh-huh. oh, easy right. So when go to the CEA, register for RES, yeah. mm-hmm. wow, it's actually not easy lah. Mm. <laughs> not easy. You really need somebody to, you know. Guide you? Guide, you know. So mm. yeah, so that actually brings me to the next question, which is so so this is why you chose to join the industry, but why Kamal's team? Why yeah. Bravo? Okay, before that I was like uh Anna Tiri Abu. Step Stepson. Stepson. So I first like, joined yeah. this company, uh-huh. become stepson. You were sidelined like, by yes, the yes. company. Not, oh. not only the company lah. I uh-huh. mean the manager that I work with. La. They had mm. several blue-eyed boys. They uh, preferred. That they preferred or they mm. rather focus on. Before or what? No lah. I mean that's what he's that, he's been there. What he's walked oh, the walk. Oh, that's that's true, what happens yeah, yeah. in agencies, in mm. groups. You know, mm. you have your uh, several high-performing agents, and right, right. more than often the leaders would pay a lot of attention on them. Uh, the newbies not so much maybe because uh, you know uh, they don't know how to unlock their potential and they don't invest the time to they're I comfortable mean, with the yeah, existing yeah, yeah, people yeah, are, yeah. so at, at, at times several people might leave uh, might feel left out mm. uh-huh. that they're not given the right scaffolding to be a good agent oh that's and, sucks and that's what happens with several agents they might hop from one group to another mm-hmm. until they find a mentor who's willing to invest that time to actually properly uh, mentor Mentor the person lah. Mm. I think that's that's what yeah, happened yeah, with yeah. you, right? So, so Kama is my third one lah. Uh-huh. The first one is about two years. Then after that, another I jump to another you know team from blue to red. Then come back to blue. That uh-huh. kind of wow! So, so if you understand the industry, you'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> huh? yeah. What does that even mean? Blue to red? Too? Never mind. Let's not go there. <laughs> oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to get. So sued, you had right? a story about a guitar. What? Oh. Yeah, recently, actually not recently lah. Mm-hmm. Somebody told ask me, oh hey, on the on this date, will you be in Singapore? <laughs> mm-hmm. I said no. I already booked. You know, family already going going out in December mm-hmm. for performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, performance! And, you are performing. Yeah, somebody asked me to perform lah. Whoa! Oh, wow. But actually, the the person who asked me is that guy. Oh, Kamal. <laughs> Kamal. Yeah. Kamal and, is asking you to perform overseas. No, in Singapore, in Singapore. Ah. But I will, I will be overseas lah on that oh. day. Mm. So oh. actually, uh, after that, he already gancang. He say, "Hey, come, uh, help me uh, choose a guitar. Mm-hmm. He wants to play. I see. <laughs> and teach him lah. I oh. see. So, okay lah. Yesterday we went there, went to the shop and buy. Mm. Uh, you know? So when did you start playing the guitar? Like where, where did oh. you learn it from? Okay. Twelve. Oh, there is a lot. Twelve years old. Wow. Wow, lifelong mm. thing. Basically. So you guys, although you are agents and you work together, more more importantly, you 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 have a good community going on, right? You take care yeah. of each other. You you yeah. have. So I guess you have an agents activity that's coming up soon. Yeah. yeah. Agents no, actually a, a dinner and dance. Wow. Oh, yeah. I was called to perform, but. It's not that I do not know how to play. Yeah, yeah. It's uh-huh. been long time I didn't play. <laughs> uh-huh. So okay. I tell him, why not 
help me, you know. We train <laughs> together, we play together. Mm. Probably two, three weeks should be okay already. Are you going <laughs> to suit up for your dinner and dance, not like your WhatsApp picture? Your of three course, pieces. of course. Huh? Of course. You need Zaz Taylor. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> so what sort of genres do you all play? Like uh, funk, rock and roll? Mm. Okay, for me, it's actually everything. Like, I play Chinese oh. songs. Oh, wow. serious? I he, was in underground scene. Underground. Uh-huh. He's actually a replacement. To be a replacement guitarist is not easy. Okay. Oh, because wow. when someone is on sick leave, Bro, hey, I need you to come in. Wait, wait. I, I need to correct you, okay? <laughs> you cannot call him replacement guitarist. <laughs> the proper word is a sessionist. Yes. Oh. <laughs> call oh. him a sessionist. <laughs> <laughs> replacement. No, but you say sessionist, I am going to have no idea what it is. A sessionist is like, say you have a band, right. yeah. then you're going to have a performance, then mm. suddenly your your rhythm guitarist is down. Right. Yeah. You need someone to just airdrop in and cover that fella. Uh-huh. So you get a sessionist, someone who can do anything. Wow. It's not yeah. easy, you know. Of course, I mean, easy. the skill yeah. set must be... Because you have to be super adaptable, you have to be yeah. super flexible, yeah. right? And then you need to be able to vibe with the band, you need oh. to, yeah. So if you want an agent who is multi-talented, flexible, <laughs> flexible, flexible who, who yeah. can do things on the fly, able and who to can fit your schedule, fit your schedule, yeah. plan because he has a good team with him. Yeah, you want Sharon. Wow. Definitely. Thank you, Sharon, for sharing. And okay. uh, of course, if you are interested in uh, getting to know more about our agents and uh, of course to handle your property transactions, all you've yeah. got to do is to call them or also drop them a DM via that's, their Instagram. That's right. So the number is 8100 I repeat, that's 8100 And the IG is the Bravo Deltas.